Hey everybody, welcome back to Build Your Team. I've got a special guest with me today, Kyle Porter. And listen, I gotta grab my notebook on Kyle because his agency has won so many awards. I had to write them all down because I was going to forget some. Top local SEO, best B2B marketing agency, top web design agency, top marketing agency. And those were just some of the ones that I thought were cool. There were even more. But guess what? You can't win all of these awards without having great team, without having really great people behind you. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that today here on Build Your Team. Now, as always, Build Your Team is brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. If you are an expert in your industry, but you're not a recognized expert in your industry, and you realize it's time for that to change. Guess what? We agree with you. Your industry needs you to be a thought leader and we can help you do that. Hey Kyle, welcome hey. to the show. So glad to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, so do this for everybody. Kind of give us the some of the history, your history, Conklin Media, where you were before, and really what got you winning all these awards and building such a great organization. Yeah. So my background, I actually started as a local brick and mortar business owner. I have been teaching or had been at that point teaching martial arts for 15 years since I was a freshman in high school. Did that job all the way through high school, all the way through college, spent more time in college drinking beer and chasing girls around than I did studying. So I didn't have a whole lot of options coming out of college. So I decided to keep going with the karate thing. Ended up growing a business, growing a karate school pretty big. Stepped out onto my own because I thought I had learned everything that there was to know about opening and operating a business. Learned really quickly that I could do the service, but I didn't know how to bring the people in, which right. is a totally different, unique skill set. And at the time, I was watching a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk videos, and he was like, you gotta run Facebook ads. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll learn how to run Facebook ads. And then that sort of started me down this path of like, well, I can't run Facebook ads until I've got somewhere to send the traffic, and I can't build a landing page until I know what my offer is, and I can't make an offer until I've got an email. So it's just this kind of like, where do I start? I dove into the digital marketing landscape, realized really quickly that I loved it, sort of did it in tandem with running the karate school, using my own business as kind of like the guinea pig for everything that I was learning. What worked for me, what didn't work for me, where I needed to continue to get better. All of a sudden, March of 2020 hits, COVID mm -hmm. hits, and a brick and mortar local kids karate school, let's grab each other, touch each other, shake each other around. Business is the wrong business to be in. Meanwhile, I got two kids at home who continue to get hungry and need groceries and food on the table, regardless of whether daddy's got kids coming to karate school or not. So I leaned hard into the marketing stuff, ended up growing that really well. COVID sort of, we were able to get some guidelines where we could operate the business, built it actually back bigger than it was post COVID. And then I got connected through a mutual friend with Dave Conklin, who owns Conklin Media. He was looking for somebody to come in and kind of run the ship and got connected with him. And I wasn't really looking for a way out of the karate school thing. But at that point, I was so heavy into the digital marketing thing that it just made sense. So I made the jump and it's been incredible. So I'm full time in the agency space now, sold the karate school, not doing that at all anymore. I just got an incredible team around me at Conklin Media. So now I can kind of serve as 
the role that I think I'm best suited in, which is kind of brainstorming and brainchilding all these different strategies and then turning things over to my team, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot today, sort of what that yes. process looks like. Yes. But before we get to the team, now he said while he had the karate school, he had two kids to feed, but he now has three. Three now. And that third one, the little boy. That's that monster. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so, what changed everything. He, he does change everything. And so let me ask you this, because I know we are going to talk about team in business, but let's talk about team at home first. Yep. How is it having that third child after having two? When I was running the karate school, I used to joke that it was great for me that I had girls because I had two girls, then we had the third and he's a boy. And when I was at the karate school, all day, every day, I'm running around playing dodgeball, getting sweaty and messy and gross and nasty. And then I would come home and my girls were these beautiful, buttoned up, sweet little, oh. you know, there'd be candles yeah. burning and they'd be coloring at the kitchen table. And I'd come home and be like, hi, daddy, how was work? It was so sweet. It was this perfect little like balance. I got all my like rough and tumble like boy stuff out at work and then came work. home and like everything was this nice neat little package yeah and then i guess the big man upstairs decided i still needed that in my life because this dude is he's wild man he's the one that's spitting up and making a mess out of everything and drooling all over the place and he screams and he yells and he's incredible he's such a good baby but just a whole different ball game with three and i don't know if it's just being outnumbered or if it's just something it is. about this kid, man, but it's, it's wild. Listen, three, you are outnumbered, that is for sure. And he said baby, y'all, because what? He's six, seven months old now? Yeah, he's six months now. So every, like, milestone, I'm not saying this as, like, proud dad pat myself on the back because it's really, like, more of a pain in the rear than anything else. But, like, he's... Babies, I guess, you look at like sort of the milestones and like when they're supposed to happen and they're supposed to like by four or five months, they're supposed to be rolling over, right? By like eight mm -hmm. or nine months, they're supposed to be crawling. Well, he rolled over at two and a half months. He started crawling at five and a half months. He's going to be sprinting around the living room by nine months. You know, so it's not like it's one of those where I'm proud that he's like a little bit ahead of the game. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, man, why don't you slow down a little bit? You know? <laughs> Let us catch up, dude. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, a son of yours, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I guess. Right. I'm not surprised. So y'all know why I say these things about Kyle. So Kyle and I, we met through an organization and inside of the organization, you know, like when celebrities, when you get celebrity status, you're known as Prince or Michael or Sherry by the first name basis. Well, for Kyle, we know him as the Kyle. There's only one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He is the, you know, not the real Kyle. He didn't need the real. He just needed everybody to know the Kyle. So the Kyle <laughs> getting back to work and getting back to business and getting back to building team inside of business. What was it like building team for your brick and mortar? Yep. Now building team for an agency and is the agency, I'm assuming either hybrid or all remote, fully remote. What's this? The structure there. Yeah, two completely different experiences. Mm -hmm. But I think when you have different experiences like that, when you're doing like a brick and mortar team in that industry specifically, like in the martial arts industry specifically, and then you've got a remote, more of a remote kind of thing on the marketing side of things, 
there are certain things that rise to the top as these sort of universal right. truths, right? If you use those as sort of the guideposts and the pillars and sort of work your way outward from there, I think things work a lot better. And there are so many things that as I've done the team building on the marketing side, you start to go like, oh, this is very similar to what I did with people who are in the building with me. Right. And the thing about running a martial arts school, especially running one that has growth ambitions. Because in the martial arts space, what a lot of people do is they are lifelong practitioners of martial arts and they want to be the one to teach the classes. And so maybe they hire somebody to work at the front desk, answer phones, whatever, but they want to be the one out on the floor. For me, it was always, I treated it as a business. So like I wanted to build a team around me. I wanted to be able to step out. I wanted to be able to build an asset. Well, in order to do that, what I've got to do is I've got to find a person who lives at the intersection of knowing the material. I can't just go on Indeed and hire a black belt. (laughs) They're just not there. So it's finding the people who know the material and have the skills, who have the interpersonal skills to deal with both parents Mm. and kids, who not only have the martial arts skills, but who have the ability or the aptitude to become teachers because practitioners and teachers are very different skills. And who are at a place in their life where a karate school runs from two in the afternoon to eight at night. It's a weird set of hours. And so for me, that was one of the reasons I was like, I got to find something else because there were plenty of nights where I would get home seven thirty, eight o'clock. My kids are in bed. My wife's stressed out. She's been handling everything all night. And I'm going like, what do I do here? So to find a person who I can plug into that space is very, very difficult. So there's really two options. One is you either grow them, meaning like a kid Mm -hmm. starts karate with you at 11 and you build them up so they're now a 15-year-old and then you can kind of stagger them into rotation. Or what we did as a family of schools, we found people who, and I think there's sort of a universal lesson here. So if you don't run a karate school, I'll lay on this plane for you. But what we found is we found people who were competing in martial arts because that tells me a lot about them. That tells me that they're passionate about the subject. It tells me that they're young enough, likely to be competing. It tells me they're willing to travel. They're willing to do a lot of these things. They're willing to put in additional time and effort. A lot of these high level competitors do like private lessons. That's a perfect model for finding the right person who's gonna be able to step into a location. And I think the lesson there is if you are in a highly specialized field, it's really important to find where those people who are going to fill your team are going to make up your team. Like where do they already gather and how can you offer them something that they don't have access to? Because it's difficult to make a career out of martial arts unless you want to be the person to own your own school, which comes with a whole different set of responsibilities and difficulties and obligations. That's one side of things. The actual operation of it, the management of it is how do I take these 22, 23 year old high type A personalities, how do I make them as coachable as possible? How do I teach them what I know about this process? I would do these things where I called them workshop Fridays. And these were people that came in, they were 22, 23 years old. They were my staff, they taught for me, but they all had ambitions to open their own school one day. For a lot of them, it was as soon as possible. So what I did knowing full well that to some degree I was working against myself is on Fridays, I would bring them in and I would teach them like, here's the ins and outs of running this business. So here's how you select a location. Here's how you get involved in local elementary schools. Here's how you set up a marketing plan. Here's how you write an email campaign. Here's how you balance your books. Here's how you do all these different things things 
because I want them invested in that place and in that process, even though I'm setting them up to leave, right? I'm equipping right. them with the tools that they need to step out and do it on their own. But I'm also building a reputation for myself of this is the place to go as kind of a way stop where you can really grow as a leader and then step into your own thing, which I think for a lot of team builders is something like we want to hold tight to the people who work for us. But I think you're doing people a disservice and ultimately pushing them out the door sooner than you would if you just invested in their development and gave them the tools to make their own decisions. Man, that was amazing. Yeah, you, you see me, I'm taking notes here too. That was like amazing. Investing in your team's development is so freaking important, right? So many of us forget that. And we, like you said, we don't want to do it because then we feel like the more I teach them, the smarter they get, the faster they'll want to leave. Right. But it also makes them so much better while they're with you. Right. Which you benefit from. Mm -hmm. And you're investing, right? I hope everybody gets, and I, I'm just going back over the points that he made here, guys, is if you're in a specialized field and you're looking for experts to work for you, be it a black belt or some special type of engineer, figure out where they're already hanging out, figure out something they're already doing, and then insert yourself there and figure out what you can offer them that actually will be valuable to them to want to come and work for you. Right? That, dude, those were amazing. As your guideposts and pillars, those are amazing. So now how have you taken those guideposts and pillars and now started to transition them into the marketing space yeah. and building a team in the marketing space? Yeah, so the real challenge for me as I've transitioned into the marketing space is you mentioned that we have this agency and you asked about remote versus in-person and like, I'm based in Atlanta and our mm -hmm. agency is based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Most of the people in our agency are in an office together every day. Mm -hmm. And many of okay. them directly report to me and all of them, to some degree, I'm managing going like, hey, we've got this new client. Here's what we're doing from a paid standpoint. Here's what our SEO strategy looks like. Here's how we're gonna design their website. Like I've gotta communicate all of that to them and make sure that they're all in communication with each other, I've got to do that from far away. So really mm -hmm. for me, what that does is it puts a few different levels of burden on me. One is that I can't be upset. I try to stay away from like platitudes if I can, but I can't be upset with the results I didn't get from work I didn't do. Meaning that if my team isn't communicating with me, I have to be cognizant of the fact that they're all sitting in a room together, perhaps around right. a literal table talking about a client and I'm sitting 500 miles away, right? In that sense, the burden and the onus is on me to reach out and make that communication. I have to be the one to demand that I be kept in the loop. Hey, tell me what's going on here. I've got to extend that reach because ultimately I'm responsible. And that's one of the things I really feel like about leaders is the measure to me in large part of how effective a leader is, is how willing are you to share credit and accept blame? Meaning yes. if I've got a team underneath me 
and something really, really good happens, how automatic is my response to push things off and go, my entire team was involved in this process? Because as a leader, the default sort of feedback is, you're the greatest, this was awesome, thank you so much for everything you did. Meanwhile, your team is standing behind you going, what? I'm the one who set up that campaign. I'm the one who wrote that copy. I'm the one who designed. And if I go, yes. well, thank you, then all of a sudden they're standing behind me going like this guy. Whereas by the same token, if somebody comes at me and this didn't work and you promised these results and da, 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 da. And I go, you're right. That was my fault. I fully accept blame. This was my responsibility. I'll make sure that this gets fixed. Then my team feels both seen and safe, right? So Yes. They're more willing to make mistakes. They're more willing to try new things. They're more willing to be creative because as a leader, especially one that's 500 miles away from my team, I have to put them, I don't have a choice here. And even if I did, I would make this choice. I have to put them in charge of outcomes, not processes. Meaning that I've got to tell you, here's the goal. Here's what we're trying to do. I'm not going to micromanage the way you get to the place that I need you to be. I just need you to get there and you're accountable to the outcome, but the process is totally in your hands. And I think that any leaders, like anytime you're micromanaging your team, it is a manifestation of a lack of trust in your team or a lack of trust in your own hiring or training processes. Yes. Agreed. What I've got to do is I've got to say, here's the strategy. Here's what we're doing. And part of this is my role, right? So I've got to say, here's the strategy. Here's what we're doing. I need you to keep me updated. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to check in, but get there, but also feel safe that if this campaign that you design falls flat on its face, let that be a lesson for you, but don't feel like you're going to have just fire and brimstone raining down on you. Like exactly. you tried it. It didn't work and we'll fix it. We'll go from there. We'll get better. Right. Whereas if they're operating from this place of fear, then nothing gets done because they're scared to step outside of this groove that they have found. And one thing I believe wholeheartedly is that grooves turn into ruts really, really quickly. So if we find a groove, it's really easy to stay in that groove. And that groove turns into a rut where now that's all I know and I'm not willing to explore new pathways. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something you said in there, I want to go back to really quickly and then follow up with a question, but the burden is on me to communicate. We talk about that here a ton on Build Your Team, that especially in the remote and virtual first environment, the burden is on us as the leader to communicate. It's not okay to say, I have an open door policy, walk by anytime because no one's walking right. by, <laughs> right? You have to reach out and you have to set those almost automatic points of communication up so that you are communicating with people. So love that you mentioned that. But here's my question that you just mentioned that I've seen a lot of people deal with in the remote and or virtual space, whether or not the team, like in your situation, the team is all together and the leader is the one who's remote. That scenario, or if everyone is remote, I've seen this happen where the team or team members, because you don't have the in-person where you're getting the interpersonal, the water cooler, the talk about the sport team, all that type of stuff that you typically get in, in office. One of the things that comes up a lot is the word that you used, fear. I am afraid 
of how you, my leader, my boss, my manager is going to respond based on something that I did when I was trying to do what I thought it was you wanted me to do. And it either creates timidity in actually doing anything, or I did it and now I'm terrified that you're going to be just completely upset. How do you deal with that? How have you dealt with that? With this yeah, team. I think it starts with giving people the benefit of the doubt and assuming good intentions from everyone, right? If I assume that you were lazy, if I assume that you didn't put the time and effort in, if I assume that you did all those things, then I'm already approaching this conversation from a place of like contentiousness, right? I'm already going, I'm going to find the place where you messed up. Whereas if I assume, hey, you worked your tail off on this, you researched it appropriately, you did what you thought was best then like we can find the place where things went wrong. But going back to the idea of like taking one of the things that I learned from the martial arts space and applying it to leadership across the board is I'm much, much, much more willing to receive feedback. And it's much more effective for me to give feedback if I just soften it a little bit with like, hey, I love what you did here and here. Like this works. I mean, like it works with seven-year-olds throwing kicks, but it also works with 40-year-olds building websites. If I go, hey, look, the design of this website is incredible. The user interface, the way you built it out, I love the way this website looks. We just got to tighten up. Like you're tracking stuff wasn't set up correctly. You spent all this time making this incredibly beautiful website and I would hate for our clients to get it in their hands, have this beautiful website, but not be able to tell what anybody's doing on it. So we got to go back through and we got to make sure that as fun as it is to interact with this site, that we're able to see what's happening on the back end. Now, if I'm a designer or a developer and I hear that, what am I hearing? Well, I'm hearing like, you're a good designer. You did good work here. Mm -hmm. We just have a little bit left to go to get us to the finish line. Whereas if I start with, What are you even thinking? Like this website, like they can't even use this. Then all of a sudden I immediately feel backed into a corner. I'm defensive. I'm resentful. I'm frustrated. I'm distant physically and relationally from you. And all you're doing is driving a wedge between us. And I think if there's one sort of guiding principle that I use in any interaction, whether it's with my team, whether it's with my wife, whether it's with my friends, it's this idea of this emotional bank account, right? I think it's a Stephen Covey thing. And if I make deposits, if I tell you that I appreciate you, if I check in on how your kid's baseball game went, if I send you a message at noon on a Friday and I go, hey, you've been crushing it this week. Why don't you take the rest of the day off? Those sorts of things, they just go like, wow, cool. Then what I have now is I have the capital invested in our relationship to when I look at you and I go, this wasn't where it needed to be. Then you're not going like this jerk, you know, like you're going like, okay, it probably wasn't where it needed to be. Cause he's not a jerk. I've got this body of evidence that shows that like, he cares about me. He listens when I talk, he's invested in my best interest. So if he's coming to me going, this isn't there, then it's probably not there. That's a statement of a fact rather than a value judgment on the person as a whole. Yeah. And gets right back to where this question started communication. Right. And as a leader, learning to communicate better and invest in that communication. And y'all, let me tell you, it's true. Because when I sent Kyle, the Kyle, excuse me, the, the message to say, hey, would you be a guest on my show? His response made me feel great. 
Like he invested even in that little transaction. That's the key. We've got to learn that we have to invest in every communication transaction with our team, which is what Kyle is pointing out here. So that's a really, really great point. So we've got two more questions yeah. for you. One is easy. One might be a little bit of a hard one. Okay. Which one do you want first? Uh, let's finish with an easy one. Give me what you got. No, yeah. The hard one. All right. So here's the hard one. So being you're the one remote with most of your team in their own environment, seeing each other, water cooling and everything. You've obviously learned a lot. You've taken a lot from martial arts, right? Realize the principles and the pillars. And you've been applying those and you're communicating really well. Here's my question. Where are you struggling in that? Where do you see growth for yourself as a better leader in this environment that you're seeing? That's where I need to grow. And I'm asking this because I believe it will inspire some other people as well who are facing the same thing and realizing they need to grow. Too. Yeah. My dad was an elected official and had an office of people that worked for him. And so like, I watched that from the very beginning. He was a public figure. He was on Dateline and he was on the news all the time. I saw him very much in a public light, but he was always just my dad. And one of the things that I remember him telling me a story about, and he was frustrated, but he was, I think he was scrubbing out or like cleaning out cabinets, bleach and scrubbing the insides of the cabinets in the break room at his office. This was his office, right? And one of the people who worked for him came in and were like, why are you doing that? Why are you down on your hands and knees scrubbing the inside of this cabinet? And his answer was sort of like, because it needs to be done. There's no job that's above you or beneath you. It's that we are all sort of responsible for the same outcome. And every part of what happens in the office or the team or the client relationship if you are willing to accept responsibility for it, if you're willing to go like, I have influence over that and so I have responsibility for it, then yeah. things start to go much, much, much more smoothly because we all want to be around people and we all want to work with people who don't pass the buck when it comes time to be accountable to results. Yes. And I think that that's one of the things that as a leader, and I don't know that it's necessarily something that I struggle with, but it's definitely, it's a like swimming upstream thing. It's always really, really always. easy to default back to like, who was responsible for this or who built this? When something goes wrong and a client's unhappy, it's really easy to go like, this was on you or this was your responsibility. But I think if you, as the leader set that tone of this is mine. And even though I didn't touch it, even though I've never met with this client, even though I didn't set up the campaign, even though I didn't teach the class, even though I didn't have the interaction with the parent, even though I didn't cut that guy's hair, whatever it is that like you're responsible for or whatever it is that your team does, if you're willing yes. to go like, how could I in that moment have made it better and how can I moving forward make it better and make it so that this doesn't happen again, then the team kind of realizes that that's the culture that the organization demands and they step in and start to behave the same way. I see it with my kids. I see it with the team that I work with. I've seen it with everybody that I've ever worked with before is that if you're at the top, if you're at the front of the line, 
then people are watching you to see how to act. Even if they're not asking you about it, even if they're not talking to you about it, but if they see that you are behaving a certain way, then they go, okay, well, that is the accepted standard of behavior inside this organization, whether it's a business, a family, or whatever. And so as a leader, you are constantly swimming upstream because you've got sort of this front-facing persona where you're constantly visible. Yes. And so you have to hold yourself to the standard of how would I act right now if my entire team were standing behind me, looking over my shoulder, watching me do whatever it is that I'm doing, act in that way all the time. Because yes. what you're doing, they're watching whether you realize it or not. Yes, absolutely. And let me throw a word at you. This is not a question because I only had two questions, so I'm just throwing a word. But there's a word that I use, and it's consistency. Yeah. As a leader, I've got to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And that is oftentimes that feeling of they're watching. Yeah. As you said that, so in between the martial arts thing and the marketing thing full-time, I left the school that I was running right after college before I opened my own karate school and I ran CrossFit gyms. So I did fitness training and did some sales for CrossFit gyms and stuff like that. But one of the things that they talk about, and I think it applies to almost any endeavor, is when you're talking about coaching someone to go through exercise, right? Whether they're running or squatting or jumping or whatever it is. The first process is a three-step process. It's mechanics, consistency, and then intensity, right? So mechanics is I've got to teach you what to do. I've got to teach you exactly the right way to squat, how to bend your hips, how to keep your back straight, how to do all the things that you've got to do. Then I've got to get you consistent with that. So it's not enough for you to do one squat the right way and then revert back to your old practices. It's that every single time you do that movement, it's got to look the same, right? And only then, only once I have established mechanics and consistency, then I challenge those mechanics by adding load, adding speed. So if I can't have you squat standing up, just a body weight air squat, what business in the world do I have throwing a barbell on your back loaded with 150 pounds? There's absolutely no reason None. to do that until I get you to demonstrate the mechanics demonstrate them consistently, and now I can add intensity. And I think that the same thing applies with what we're talking about here is that like, I've got to teach you the right way to do things, right? I've got to teach you exactly what I expect, how to go through this process, what it is that the outcome is that you're responsible for, what tools are available to you, how you can access those tools, how you can leverage those tools. Then I've got to get you doing things the right way, creating results every time under a fairly limited amount of pressure right? I got to get you doing exactly. things the right way. Then I've got to get you doing things always the right way. And now I can impose a deadline on you. Now I can be like, Hey, this client needs this set up by Friday, or, Hey, I need you to do this many kicks in a minute, or, Hey, we've got people all out the door looking to buy cupcakes. So bake the hell out of those cupcakes, whatever it is. I now add intensity to it. Yes. I always told the kids when I was practicing is that like practicing the wrong way. And I tell my kids this all the time is that like, Yes. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. If you are re-practicing or re-engaging in poor mechanics of whatever it is that you're doing, all you're doing is building neural pathways to make it more efficient to do it wrong. And so what I've got to do is I've got to rewire that so you do it right and I've got to make that efficient. 
I don't know that that necessarily is like a perfectly lays over what you're talking about, but it's let's get it right and then let's be consistent. No, it absolutely does. And I can relate to that too, because I've coached football at a high level for almost 15 mm -hmm. years now. When I say that, I've coached youth teams that have won national cha championships. I've coached high school teams that have won championships. I've coached at a very high level, got a lot of kids in college playing football. And every single year without fail, I have a head coach who yells at me because why are your guys only doing one step? It's the third week of preseason and they're still only working on one step. It's not but right yeah, yet. Because, <laughs> yeah. exactly. If they can't get that fundamental mechanic of that first step down, we can't move forward. But why aren't they doing this and do it? We can't move forward. There was a team that I was coaching last year and I watched as in game, middle of the season, they took a kid who had not played any offense all season long. They've only allowed him to play defense. Now they're down in game and they need yep. to make a play. And they put him in offense and tell him to do something and he doesn't do it right. And they yell at him. And I'm like, you can't do that to this kid. I understand that he's a great athlete, but the fact that he's a great athlete doesn't matter when you haven't practiced this with him, when you haven't asked him to do this in over no a year. He has no skill. And that's, I don't want to go too far down this path because it's a little bit of an aside, but what I realized as I was building a marketing pathway for my own business is it's really easy. And where most marketing training talks about like the pathway that you build, it talks about the pathway that the customer experiences it, right? So people become aware and then they consider and then they blah, 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 right? And then they make a decision. Well, that's the wrong order to build out a full scope marketing strategy. Because if I go, all right, well, first thing I gotta do is get people aware. Then you go, what are you gonna do with them? So there's gotta be a process by which like, well, what in the world are you doing sitting down, designing a website, writing an email, whatever it is that you're doing, setting up an ad campaign before you've got a really fundamental understanding of who your customer is and how your offer, whatever it is that you're selling makes their life better. What are you going to talk yes. about? How could you possibly set up anything because you don't even know who you're talking to or what difference you're making in their life? So get that done. And then why would they choose your thing versus all the other options that they have to solve the problem that you solve? Exactly. Now we can start taking, because now we have a message. Now we have a person, an offer, and a reason. Now we can start taking that and we can start putting collateral behind it, but People want to run before they catch the ball, right? So it's like, I'm building a website, I'm writing an email campaign, and then they go, digital marketing doesn't work. Well, no, you just, you did the steps backwards. Exactly, exactly. And that's what, for bringing this full circle back to team, that's what a lot of business owners, leaders, and managers yep. do with their teams, right? They just throw them in and say, go do this with no context with no structure and without any fundamentals. And then they wonder why they get poor mm -hmm. results, right? Especially if you're hiring someone brand new, you can't do that to them right. guys. You just can't. You gotta build them up over time, build the muscle. Give me those three again, but try to write them down. Mechanics, consistency, intensity. and with the Mechanics, third one. consistency, intensity. 
Mechanics, consistency, intensity. Mechanics, consistency, intensity. If you take nothing else from today, take that parallel into your business and with your staff. We've got to communicate on the mechanics, the consistency, the intensity. And so if you're being intense with your team, but you haven't gone through mechanics and made them consistent, failure is on you. 100%. We don't cut corners here on build your team. So, you know, I'll tell you, it's your fault. You screwed it up. And I can say that because both Kyle and I will admit, I'm sure, we've both screwed that up at some point in time with someone and had to realize, oops, but we've screwed it up and learned. Now it's your turn. Yep. So Kyle, one more question. This is the easier to fun question. How do you have fun with your team? Yeah, so we really make an effort to keep things like, there's more at stake now, certainly than what I was doing when I ran the karate school, right? And I say that, but sometimes it's not necessarily true. So if I'm running summer camp, for instance, and we're a little bit north of Atlanta, and like literally there were summer camps where I loaded up a bus full of kids and took them down to the Atlanta Zoo and walked around with 50 kids at the Atlanta Zoo. We're talking about a really high stake situation because if I bring 50 kids down to the zoo and I bring 49 kids back from the zoo, back. And then I've got to make a call to a parent and say, hey, I left your kid down at the Atlanta Zoo, then we've got some real, real problems on our hands, right? That's an emergency. <laughs> but by and large, in the martial arts world, there are no emergencies. There aren't karate emergencies. You know, a kid comes into class and he's really struggling with whatever it is that we're doing. That's not an emergency. In the marketing space, what I'm doing now I think at a base level, there's more at stake. You're spending people's money, you're running campaigns for them. But at the end of the day, if you write a blog post and it doesn't convert, or you write an email and it doesn't get opened, or you run an ad campaign and it doesn't get clicked on, like that's not an emergency. And I think that goes back to making people feel safe. So I think you build the culture of like, hey, let's remember what it is that we're doing here. And none of us have the pressure of having to go into open heart surgery today. So like we're writing mm -hmm. ads, we're making people smile, we're bringing people products and services that can help them. So I think it's that zooming out in that perspective of like, enjoy it, like have fun with this, make it an experience for people to deal with the work that you're doing. And that extends, I think, to the conversations that you have with your team, which like for me, mostly happens over slack but like i'll send goofy stuff in the mail to my team or i'll you know what i mean just like stuff like that that just like keeps awesome. them remembering that like there are no emergencies or at sure. least putting the emergencies into a really special like break glass kind of box like these are the emergencies everything right. else like chill that's right there are no emergencies and you can have fun in everything. And yes, just chill. You brought up heart surgery. So I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick story if you don't mind. So it was nine years ago when I won my first championship in football. And that day we're going to, you know, it's championship day. We know we're going to play and you can imagine I'm a ball of nerves, right? Like freaking out nerves. And a dad that I've known for a very long time, a very good friend of mine comes up to me and he sees the state that I'm in. 
okay? And he says to me, he says, so I want you to imagine for a moment that the game is being played and a referee drops down and is starting to have a heart attack. And at that moment, everyone in the stadium turns and looks to you and says, he needs open heart surgery and you have to do it, coach. Go perform open heart surgery on this man yeah, right that. now on this field. What would you do? And so, well, I have no idea because I have no idea what open heart surgery even actually mm -hmm. means. I don't know what to okay. do. I don't even have the tools. We got a football. What am I going to do? Right? He said, exactly. Today, you're just coaching a football game. And yeah. You know how to do that. Yeah. Go have fun and do it. And that's the thing. For me, uh, a lot of times with our teams, and, and you were kind of touching on this, is realizing that, listen, you know how to do. We've gone through and worked on what are the three things. Let me pick up my paper again here. We've worked on the mechanics, the consistency. Yeah, this situation might be a little bit more foundation. intense. But you got you built this. the foundation with the mechanics and the kids. You got yes. this. You are in a place because of the way you've coached, because of the way you've prepared. You are in a place where intensity is the logical next step. So, is it different than a practice? Yeah, it's different. It's more intense. But are the mechanics changing? Nope. So the mechanics are exactly the same. The consistency is exactly the same. All we need now is intensity. But you're there. You're ready for it. That's right. just the next step. It is. But that's also how you can even inject fun because you realize, yeah, I am prepared for this. I am. And truthfully, 99 times out of 100, intensity, unless it's like physical, yeah. is in your head. That whole slow, smooth, smooth, it's, fast it's, thing. Yeah. It's in your head. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Kyle, brother, our time is up here today, but this has been amazing. I thank you for being here. I got a ton of value out of this. I mean, I was taking crazy notes, right? So I really, really appreciate your time today. Is there anything you want to leave? Because we're, we're talking about business owners who some of them are hiring their first person. Some of them are looking to grow their team. Any last words yeah, you want to leave? One of my favorite things that I've heard recently is that if you are only hiring people who are not as good as you are at the things you're hiring them to do, then you are the bottleneck in your own business. If you are afraid wow. to hire somebody who has a skill that you don't have or has an aptitude that you don't have or who is better than you at the thing you're hiring them to do, what you're doing is you're expanding the potential of your business. And if you refuse to make that decision because of your own ego and you can't stand the fact that somebody in your business who works for you is better than you at the thing that they do, then the business is only ever going to be as good as you are. And so you've got to step outside right. that. You've got to be willing to take on people who are better than you and let them do the things that they do. Absolutely. Yet another nugget dropped by <laughs> the Kyle. Okay. Kyle, seriously, all jokes aside, Absolutely. thank you so much, brother. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Let's do this again soon because I think there's even more. Like that last point is something that I think we could even delve yeah, into sure. more, right? How you bring in people who are better than you and how you put yeah. your own ego in check as the boss right. when you do that. Okay, so Absolutely. let's do that one okay. next. All right, everybody. Thanks for being yeah. here, Kyle. Again, thank you. All right, bye everyone.